Welcome to the Walt Disney World Resort, including Epcot Center, the Magic Kingdom, and now the Disney MGM Studios. Did you know Disney World is the most popular vacation place on Earth? And you know what? You're coming at just the right time, because Disney has exciting new attractions, like Legend of the Lion King, a spectacular new stage show in the Magic Kingdom. As you can see on this map, we have a perfect location in Florida, almost in the very center of the state. In fact, we selected this site because it's so easy for tourists and Florida residents to get here by automobile. All the thoughts he ever spoke appear in orange smoke. That's what makes the orange bird unique. Little orange bird. Little orange bird. Uh, who am I? Why, <laughs> I'm the real Hoot Gibson, that's who. I'm the star of a brand new western show being made for Walt Disney World. I'm what they call audio animatronic. <laughs> Disney Radio Weather. W Radio. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World Information Station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 223 for the week of May 22nd, 2011. From May 12th through the 15th, 2011, Disney's D23, the official community for Disney fans, held a four-day event in Walt Disney World that included a four-park scavenger hunt, as well as two days of speakers, presentations, and many surprises. Known as Destination D, the Florida Project, it celebrated Walt Disney World's 40th anniversary and will review the hunt and the event on this week's roundtable. I'll also tell you about the brand new Walt Disney World Trivia iPhone app and some more before playing some of your voicemails at the end of the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. Getting excited, vacation's begun. Ready for Mickey, time for some fun. It's gonna be great, I bet you can't wait. I'm going to Disney World, I'm going to Disney World. Sing this too like the birds, say the magic. On May 14th and 15th, 2011, Disney's D23 official fan community held their second non expo event known as Destination D. This time, it was to celebrate Walt Disney World's 40th and took place over at Disney's Contemporary Resort. It kicked off with a two-day, four-park, incredibly hot scavenger hunt uh, to really get people in the mood for what was two incredible days of great events and seminars and presentations and lots of surprises. And on this week's show, I wanted to recap not just the scavenger hunt, but uh, the Destination D event as well. So I've gathered around the, the virtual campfire here a bunch of friends and some other people, including but not limited to 
Becky Mankin from MEI and, and Mouse Man Travel. You can put yourself in whatever category you like. I was kind of scared of that. I, I, I'll, let, I'll let you put me in whatever. No, I won't put, let you put me in whatever category. It's, of course, great to be here with you and experiencing this wonderful, wonderful event. It seems like old times. You and I are once again spending more time together than we are with our respective spouses. So uh, my Orlando wife, Becky Mankin. And I am pleased and proud and honored to welcome back and introduce the members of my scavenger hunt team. Really, their scavenger hunt team. I was just holding the bag. You know him as Otisney on Twitter. Also Scott Otis. Also the man who I introduced does not like cheese. Hello, everyone. And the secret weapon for Team 312, Mrs. Scott Otisney, making your first appearance on the show. Welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Two new uh, friends and guests on the show, the newly married, I should say, at Walt Disney World as well, Andrew and Leah. Guys, welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. You guys know him as Jeremy Marks. Jeremy, welcome back. You were here for the last <laughs> D23 right, recap. Yes, I was. And uh, a man who is tall in stature, both literally and figuratively, together. We are the visual definition of forced perspective. He is Henry Work, <laughs> the beauty and the brains behind touringplans.com, startourslive.com, and the voice behind betamouse.net. How's it going there? I, I think it's kind of like an American Adventure kind of thing. <laughs> I'm actually tall, but I think I need to be like brought down to three stories. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I don't know. Reverse perspe- perspective. Exactly. Reverse, yeah. So, yeah, I want to, um, again, I want to have you guys come on and, and for really different reasons. Becky, because you have to be here. Scott and Jennifer, because you are team mates. Uh, Andrew and Leah, because this is, you guys are new both to D23, the scavenger hunt, the Destination D event. And Jeremy and Henry, you guys have been here before. You've been D23 members before. You were at Destination D in Disneyland. Henry, you truly crushed the Destination D scavenger hunt out there. You participated again here. I want to get your opinions on that as well. So let's start off talking first about the scavenger hunt. Because in Disneyland, it was a one-day, correct me if I'm wrong here, five-hour, three-park extravaganza in 106-degree heat. They only have two parks in Disneyland, though. Two parks. Well, two, uh, so, Henry, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Um, two parks and downtown Disney. Right. And, and the resorts, right? So there's four zones. But, uh, you know, who's being technical here? Um, yeah, so it was a five hour, that was a five-hour event. Uh, this one was a two-day event. Four hours in Epcot, three hours in Animal Kingdom, Hollywood Studios, and whatever that other park is. And uh, so really, like, what is that? That's like 13 hours of crazy running around, blistering hot, you know, lots of stuff. Lots of hunting. It was a hunt. It was a true hunt. It was truly a hunt, and it was hot. Unseasonably, really, for this time of year, um, they seem to have turned the heat up about 10, 15 degrees from what we had. Uh, though just the, really the week before, really wasn't the heat. It was, no, it, was just, it wasn't the heat. Humidity was the heat. Um, knowing that they were breaking it up differently, did you approach this scavenger hunt differently did you prepare for it before you guys got here yeah it was the the one interesting thing was that you could choose 
So you, once you got to a park, you had to finish in that park within that amount of time, right? So you got there, they marked your time, you had three or four hours to finish it, and you had to return the book, and you could never come back to that park to work on it later. So I thought that was sort of the most interesting thing, was like, you could choose, they, they chose your starting park. After that, you had to choose, okay, if you start in Epcot, what would you go to next, right? And you had from 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. on, on Thursday, and then from the, on the next day you had 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Um, so you had to do all four parks, and you could choose whatever order you wanted other than the starting. So that was our first thing that we had to figure out, like, what, what was our order? And we thought about, like, parade routes and <laughs> crowd levels. Sorry. Uh, and uh, Did you use touring play? Uh, and... You know, like where you would want to start and what you're like, what would you want to finish on, stuff like that. So that that was our initial stuff. So a lot of strategy before you even got here. As soon as you just heard how they were going to do it, that's how you guys started planning. Oh yeah, I mean, we we rode lots of attractions. We came out here early. We did a lot of research, took a lot of photos, took a lot of notes. So like people would be watching animals on Kilimanjaro safaris, and I was like typing in, you know, <laughs> signage how many kilometers it is to the tent camp uh you know in on the ride so uh yeah it was you know a lot of people did a lot of trivia research we looked at your trivia books i'm sorry for all those incorrect answers <laughs> yeah those, those are total plants um but yeah it, you, you know anything that you could do to sort of uh be able to quickly bring up knowledge uh, on the day was was key yeah, so you brought your sort of beta mouse experience, that convergence of Disney and tech together, um, and brought in a lot of, because it was allowed, there was no sort of restrictions on using any sort of electronic devices. So I saw people with oh, yeah. iPhones, Blackberries, iPads. Ta- tablets. Yeah. It was, it was pretty crazy. I mean, we, we, we took notes and we took photos and we sort of used some of those, tried to categorize them as best as we could. Um, but yeah, it was it was kind of interesting. I mean, you know, you couldn't help other teams, and you you know you couldn't really really rely on outside help. But other than that, they didn't ban cell phones or anything. Um, so you sort of had to do what you felt comfortable with. <laughs> yeah, and everybody sort of approached, I think, it a little bit differently. Right. You having seen the types of questions before from Disneyland, knowing it wasn't just what is the number on top of here. There was a lot of looking and counting and adding and look at the fourth letter of the fifth word, the dedicate. So you had to find stuff and then do a lot more to it in those one, five, and ten-point questions. Andrew and Lee, you guys are relatively new D23 members. You were saying before we got started, Destination D and the scavenger hunt was part of that reason. So maybe that's sort of that catalyst that put you over the hump to finally join up. Yeah, absolutely. We had, you know, we talked about it. We've seen the magazines when we've been here and, and been interested in joining and once we started learning about the hunt and what was going to be and who was going to be at Destination D, we said, "We it's time. We need to join. We can't wait any longer. So, so we used our, uh, our like our last five vacation days for uh, for this year to come to this. So we're really excited to, you know, really excited to kind of do this and see how much how much of a blue we actually uh, picked up from the podcast. Yeah, again, sorry about how you guys placed in the scavenger hunt. So. <laughs> 300, by the way. So thanks for <laughs> You were in the top 350, which is nice. Um, So (laughs) did you prepare it all for it, or was it just sort of going in and winging it, or did you guys make up any kind of strategy ahead of time? 
despite the uh, score, <laughs> yes, we did prepare <laughs> in advance. Uh, we, um, we we read some, we reread some of our, our guidebooks and things about the parks, uh, some Imagineering books to uh, revisit the, the history. And, and we really didn't know how much hunting uh, there was going to be, so we were really trying to like learn all the little details and trivia and, and you know refresh some of that information. And so in some cases it paid off, and most of the cases it didn't. It was really more hunting. And then what I tried to do is, kind of similar to Henry, go and find pictures of, of, you know, abstract things that we normally would not see in our own vacation. And I probably put 300 or so pictures together, but only like five of them actually helped us. So, yeah. Yeah. We didn't have the luxury to come to the park to look at things and practice, so we did a lot of looking at our own vacation pictures and looking around online for little interesting things we may have taken photos of at one point or another. Yeah. And so did, it, did, it, did you find that it helped doing that research ahead of time? I would say I would say yes for the most part because at least we knew general areas of where things were and even if you know the question we didn't understand the you know the exact details of it I was like I do remember that from something we read so you know we ran off to that area and I'd say five out of ten times that actually worked out for us. And obviously the most important picture was the one of Henry that you had on your mirror <laughs> as inspiration considering that he and his team won the very first Destination D scavenger hunt out in Disneyland. Yeah, what a fluke. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, like, that. Th- what was interesting about that one was no one had any idea what the scavenger hunt was, right? So, like, we didn't know if we were going to show up and they'd be asking us questions inside rides, outside rides, things that were more general trivia, like, you know, using, like, the opening date and then in interesting ways or whatever. But this time, you know, people, like, both you and I did the Disneyland one, so we sort of knew what type of questions they were going to do. You know, they really reused a lot of them sort of, like, the one things that always killed me were the, here's a plaque, now take the eighth letter of yeah. the 14th word and the first letter of the 64th word and all this other stuff, and then figure out the word jumble, and um, a bunch of those sort of sort of crushed us. Um, so it was, it, was, it was similar in some ways. Uh, very few things inside attractions. They mostly focused on general park stuff, you know, the crazy amount of detail that are in the parks. I particularly like the, uh, the studio's questions related to um, uh, sort of details inside of Hollywood Boulevard and Sunset Boulevard and stuff like that. So, yeah, and it made it fun. And you know, and I think, and I said before, the reason why I think that you guys won Disneyland was because of you know, shameless plug, because of things like touring plans. You know how to approach and to navigate the parks. Uh, unlike you, um, my team did no preparation whatsoever. Um, Scott and I were a team in Disneyland last year, and thanks to Scott's font of Disneyland knowledge, we were able to place in uh, in sixth place uh, as Henry waved to us from the podium. But, you know, we, we had a great time doing it. We're excited about Disneyland. And Scott said, we need to bring in a secret weapon. And that secret weapon is my wife, Jennifer. Um, but yeah. we, uh, <laughs> but but we didn't really prepare very much. You know, what was sort of your thinking going in without giving away the strategy? Yeah, uh, having done the, the Disneyland one, I knew that a lot of the questions were more observational. There was really not a lot of trivia, and as long as you had a basic knowledge of where everything was in the parks, that really was all you needed to come in with, and you know, still be able to do a good job. So we basically just kind of plotted how we needed to go around the park, you know, looking at all the questions and uh, tried to to, you know, without using lines, you know because, you know, on the spur of the moment, you never know what how, where you're going to go through the park especially given that you only had three or four hours if it was Epcot um, 
basically just to go through the park and just try to tackle as many as you could in the most efficient way possible. And, and with the 10-point questions where you had to do three, four, sometimes five or six steps, that was not always easy because you had to go all the way across the park sometimes and then all the way back, um, and then you had 10 of those. So, yeah, it was not easy to plan uh, how you're going to go through the park. So we basically just did the best we can, best we could with uh, very little preparation. Yeah, and it very much, the, the, the preparation that was important we found was the preparation when you started, preparing to try and minimize as much as you could going back and forth. But no matter how much you knew, how much you researched, how, how much you had photograph-wise in a database, Sometimes you couldn't avoid it if you wanted to tackle those big ones. Jennifer, the additional challenge that we found this year, too, uh, was not only a a very difficult set of questions, but in a a fun, challenging way, but certainly the weather definitely played a factor on everybody as well. The weather was brutal, and I had absolutely no idea what I was getting myself into when I joined your team. So now that I know, I know I need to work out and I need to have lots of water with me next year. Yeah, it, uh, it, I definitely felt like I got in shape, so I can justify everything that I've eaten. <laughs> yes, the two carrot cake cookies exactly. that I had today, I already had walked off <laughs> in advance. Absolutely. Yeah, well, we did have a lot of practice with D- Disneyland's event, because I believe on that day, uh, the Anaheim area had set a record high of like 148 degrees or something <laughs> like that. So you and I had a little bit of practice with that. And, but yeah, the, added, the addition of the humidity, uh, yeah, and the, the sun that was just beating down on us yeah. unrelentlessly, yeah, that, that really proved to be quite a challenge. And this year, there were 566 teams, I think, that had uh, signed up. I think at one point they had sold out, they opened up some more, and then when they announced the grand prize, which was a cruise on the Disney Fantasy, registration again jumped through the roof, um, sort of dangling that, that really big carrot um, in front of them. And I think one thing we could all agree on besides just the heat was, did you guys find the event fun? You know, it was challenging, obviously, but was it fun as well while you were doing it? I'm going to answer for Jennifer because, <laughs> because when we first started off, it was really hot and I was trying to make sure we're all hydrated. And I'd look back and, and Jennifer, and she was managing one aspect. We definitely worked as a team together. Um, I say, how you doing? She's like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm feeling good. And then it was couple hours later how you doing i'm okay i'm doing all right and then by the second park she's like i just want this to be over i just need this to end and by the time we're in the fourth park she goes this is the longest hour of my life (laughs) (laughs) but i mean did you guys find it again both challenging and fun i mean we were you were playing to do well but did you enjoy it sort of stepping back away from it afterwards Absolutely. I mean, these. I'm really impressed with how much fun I had on these scavenger hunts, both in Disneyland and Disney World. I mean, the it, the problems were both. You know, some of them were just just kind of fun to do, but some of them were extremely complicated and challenging. So it felt like they had a range of questions. It wasn't you know only things that O'Tisney can handle, um, but like you know stuff that like if you were just a regular Disney fan and you happen to be in the parks and you signed up for this, you could come and knock off some points and walk around and not be too frustrated. The thing that I really liked also is in the beginning of the event, you know, everyone's sort of, the first day especially, everyone is, you know, lined up in front of all the parks and uh, apparently no one told me this, but a lot of people brought uniforms. Like everyone was just sort of decked out and it was, it was, it was really cool. And I, I think maybe that had to do with the fantasy. Like it, it was sort of up and uh, everyone sort of upped it a level and then in terms of preparation and stuff like that, but sort of just, you know, 
you're hanging out. There's all these Disney internet crazy people around. <laughs> and a lot of these people are wearing uniforms and have so much spirit. It was just a really cool thing to sort of be a part of. And by uniforms, you mean everyone dressing as Tinkerbell, everyone dressing as Woody from Toy Story. Not I, saw that. I did see that. They were, yeah, I mean, you guys? that was not us. We had, we had, you know, our secret weapon uniforms. We had Under Armour and the whole nine yards. But, um, but you make a good point because it, um, it was something that was appealed to a very broad range of people. I saw people doing it with their kids. Yeah. They had kids in strollers. There were people in ECVs yeah. and wheelchairs. So. It was something that was definitely meant, it was geared to be enjoyable. And the, all the questions weren't so hard that you wouldn't open up your book and be like, there's no way I can get this. Right. Uh, I'm just done. I'm turning the book in. Leah's shaking her head like, no, that's exactly what we did. We just <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But I did want to say that we we really did get excited about, you know, coming to, to participate in it. And we were we were those people that were decked out. The two of us had our, our shirts on. We were Team Disney Wed since we were just married here a couple of months ago. Andy made a cool graphic for the front of our shirts with our three rings, like my ring and the, his ring and the engagement ring that she looked told, like a Mickey She told me head. it was mandatory that we had uniforms, so that's, <laughs> that's why I, I made them. Yeah. And we had some of our wedding pictures on our backs, and we started out with our wedding ears on, but it just was so hot and that it was one away pretty quick. But I question it, two. It's when the hat came off and I scratching the head and saying, I don't know if we're going to get through this. So, yeah. no, But it was fun. It was fun, but humbling. Definitely. Yeah, you know, it was it was a lot to, to tackle in three hours. And we, we had a strategy for how to organize our questions as soon as we got the books. And we probably spent too long organizing our questions at every single park um, and didn't, did a lot of running, running around at the end uh, to try to get some questions in. But, yeah, we had a good time. I mean, did you learn anything? Did you learn anything, like, along the way, you think? Did you sort of stepping back, say, oh, you know, I never realized that was there. I never noticed that detail before. So I would say yes about you know, noticing things. Um, but what I, actually I would have appreciated more, giving us more time to do that and actually enjoying and, and looking at some of the details instead of getting the detail and then sprinting off to the next one. So I think maybe less questions. I think, you know, maybe more complex questions, but less of them so you can actually get to enjoy pieces of the park. Um, but this wasn't about fun. This is not about fun. <laughs> the one thing I, I do have to say, especially, I think they did it in Disneyland. I think they also did it here. Considering the scope of this and the number of teams, the number of questions, I think D23, Steve Vagnini and his team from D23 did an amazing job putting this together, or organizing it from beginning to end. I mean, it was very well done. I heard no complaints from anybody about the logistics of it. From beginning to end, there weren't seen, there didn't seem to be issues about that. They very much had this well thought out and well planned. Yeah, that's right. Um, I when I had first heard that they were going to do it at Disney World in in four parks, you know, with so many teams, I had no idea how they were going to pull it off. Uh, but they, yeah, they did seem to do it off w- without a hitch. Uh, I guess they did a quarter of the team started at each of the four parks, and you know, they started with that. Uh, started at the opening time of that park. Uh, 9 or 10 o'clock, depending upon the day. And uh, so everyone got started then and basically got to choose a, a second park for that day and then do whichever two parks they wanted to ne- the, the following day. And they had, you know, the, the people at the, the tables grabbing the books uh, or giving you your books right at the beginning and then taking them right at the end. So uh, they had it down to, uh, to, to a science, and they had, you know, taking the books back to be graded or triple graded um, yeah, it was it was quite a feat, and I know that like I have to give a shout out also to Sean and Laurel Slater and a bunch of other volunteers uh, who, you know, worked uh, off on their own time uh, putting all of these questions together. So that was 
you know. You're thanking them now, but you were cursing them in Disney's Animal <laughs> Kingdom like all of us were. Yeah, that's true. That was a, uh, it was a very challenging park yeah, on so. very many levels because of, it's not that sort of hub and spoke, and there's a lot of back and forth, and they turned the heat up there just a little bit higher, uh, and it was that second day, and, and it, was a, it was crowded that day, too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that park felt so much larger on, on um, Friday than it has felt when I've been there in the past. Um, and I think the questions there, it seemed like they were a little harder to identify. It wasn't stuff you were going to know um, as readily as maybe the other parks. I will give you a lot of credit because I've never seen anybody get to and from Rafiki's Planet Watch as quickly as you did. So you were a trooper. And... Um, and I want to congratulate the team that won. What are they called? The, the People Movers, I, I believe. Um, they did an awesome job. The top 20 scores were all very, very close. Uh, and I say this only to congratulate Scott and his wife because you guys crushed it. Um, you guys did an awesome job. And uh, by just about seven points, we came in second. So uh, thank you for having me on your team. And you give me a little fist pump there, brother. You crushed this. You, you guys were awesome. Well, you were quite awesome, too. So it, we were a, a team a, a team of three. And so you nobody holds too. a backpack and, and gives you guys water like I do. But the question, secret weapon, Jennifer, is this. Oh, no. Would you do it again next year? Yeah, that's a tough one. I'm going to have to think about that. I will ask you after the Advil and the uh, the ice packs kick yeah. in. Get, get back to me in a few weeks when I've recovered from this one. <laughs> Would you guys do it again? <laughs> I, can tell you're, I can tell you're newly married because yeah. you looked at each other yeah. first. <laughs> I would do it, definitely. I mean, actually, now I've seen the questions and kind of understanding the, I guess, the strategy. We'll have a better yeah. strategy next year. <laughs> I think, yeah, we do it again. And newer shoes. Better shoes. <laughs> We um we had we had said it was very challenging. It was really hot. You know, it was really stressful. And we had some moments where the the Disney weds were thinking, "Are we still going to be married at the end of this competition?" <laughs> My ring came off a couple times. <laughs> Not by accident. <laughs> Not by accident. But it was just so fun being there and being part of it that I think I wouldn't want to be left out. So I would definitely do it again. So they sort of didn't give us any hints today as to what is going to happen. They talked about Destination D being an off-year event, meaning they were going to be doing them on off-expo year, so it was going to be Destination D, then the expo. They did the the Destination D and the scavenger hunt here in Walt Disney World this year, even though the expo is coming up, obviously, to celebrate Disney World's 40th anniversary. Henry, is this something you'd like to see happen every year, every other year, or sort of maybe alternate coast-to-coast? How often do you think they should do something like a scavenger hunt and then obviously tying it in with Destination D? Yeah, I'm waiting for Destination D Shanghai. Um, uh, it's a good question. Uh, I mean, I don't think they're going to do a Destination D this year in, in Disneyland because of the expo. But I'd certainly like to see a Disney World next year. I mean, I think everyone had an overall great event. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about the, the actual um, uh, the main event. But, yeah, I mean, if there's the Disney online community is only growing. More people are interested in this stuff. D23 is hopefully growing, and they should do this. Every year. Yeah, well, let's talk about the, the actual event itself because all of you here obviously participated in that. Uh, a number of us, Jeremy and Henry and, and Becky, we were all out in Disneyland last year when they announced Destination D Walt Disney World. We all looked at each other and were like, yes, this is because for a lot of us, this is more of our, our home park, um, something we were really excited about doing. Jeremy, you actually live more close to the west, you're out in Utah. Was this a no-brainer for you? And if so, was it because of 
how much you enjoyed the first Destination D? Oh, yeah, this is a no-brainer. The moment they announced it, yeah, we were just, okay, let's get this thing scheduled. Let's find out what the dates are. Let's let's be there. Destination D out in Anaheim definitely was a big factor of doing this because it was so fascinating to be able to sit there and listen to Imagineers and other people in the community speak about their love for all things Disney. And so coming out to Walt Disney World and being able to see, I mean, one of the big factors was we knew the archives didn't start until after Disneyland had opened, so they were having to go back and try to find things. Archives existed for Walt Disney World um, right from the get-go, so we knew that they had a lot of the good information already set, but then we find out as we got here that there would be more to be found. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing about Destination D is it's as much as it is about history and, and what's in the past and what's maybe coming in the future, it's also about the present and I think they try and come up with an event schedule that is something that's going to be accessible to everybody not just the hardcore uber geek Disney fans even people Becky Mankin that maybe haven't been here you know the first time they came was in what 2009 oh geez it wasn't that bad but alright you've been describe horizons you've been what what's that no no see seriously so when is your when was your first time coming here because I, I, yeah. it, I'm interested because you obviously aren't as familiar or maybe or interested in or uh, realize maybe about the history of Walt Disney World as much as Disneyland. Right, because I grew up at Disneyland. I'm, I'm the West Coast Park, uh, is, is my home park. But that is kind of an interesting... The first time I was here was in 1996. So as we were going through... I know, he's rolling his eyes. So <laughs> as we were going I was actually through, just wondering if Leah and Andrew were born in, yet in 1996. <laughs> <laughs> as we were going through um, each of the presentations, I was sitting there going... I wish I would have been here to see that. You know, some of the attractions and some of the things and some of the entertainment that was here, I hadn't had that opportunity to see. And you're like elbowing me going, did you know that? Did you know that? Do you know that? It's like, no. And now, you know, I kind of feel sad that I didn't get to see Horizons or I didn't get to see some of these other attractions. My Mr. Eggs impression oh. didn't resonate with you because it just, you had no frame of reference. I, but but let's yes. move. <laughs> no, no, you were the one that mentioned it. Let's move on. Let's move. Let's move on. Other people that are like me out there listening to the podcast right now, and for that, I think you should explain your huevos impressions. And you know, I think you should actually. Let's just say that the the heat and the humidity and the barking dogs got to me. And at, at probably by the middle of day one, I was singing Blood on the Saddle and doing my Mr. Eggs from Kitchen Cabaret impression probably way more often than Jennifer wanted to hear. But it was all part of the strategy to throw, to throw off the other teams. And, and maybe, maybe we should have you do that on stage for, for 2.0 Cruise. What do you think? Well, let's move along to Destination D. Uh, because there was, like Disneyland, the schedule was packed. Um, you know, you are you're in presentations really from morning until night, only with breaks for lunch and for dinner, and then you come back, which is, we all kind of found sort of like a blessing and a curse, because there's so much they want to cram in. Sessions ran long, dinners ran short, uh, but there was a lot to cover, and it kicked off on Saturday the 14th. Uh, Stephen Clark welcomed all the D23 members, and the first presentation was one that was very similar to something that we saw in Disneyland, which was Weird Disney, Walt Disney World and Beyond, that was uh, hosted by Becky Klein, who is the chief archivist. She took over from Dave Smith uh, a few months ago, and Disney historian and author and former comedian and all-around nice guy, Paul Anderson. It was about sort of that strange and bizarre part of Disney history, and for a lot of us that saw Destination D, I was there were times I was saying, 
I think I've heard this story before. Did I hear it in Destination D? There were some repeats of things in Disneyland because of how far back the history went. Some cool stuff from you know the 40s and 50s and 60s, and then they really sort of punctuated it with a lot of Walt Disney World. Yeah, I was. Uh, we, I think we we we, were, we thought very similarly. We saw the beginning of it, and they went into this like story about Pinocchio, and then they went into the pancake races and some crazy <laughs> stuff that happened in the 50s and 60s in Disneyland. And I was like about to to walk out and like because I really wanted to go see the haunted mansion new like you know uh, scenes. Um, but thankfully, I waited, uh, and uh, I think it, it sort of paid off. <laughs> Yeah, and I think the dynamic between Becky and Paul and their delivery of it was great. I mean, they definitely have a, a great rapport together and a great rhythm. Definitely, yeah. Paul and Becky have worked together for years, and so they, they know how to keep the humor between them and keep and project it to everybody else. Uh, we did see the stuff from Disneyland in the prior years, and then when they got to the weird Disney stuff, the 1970s definitely helped them. <laughs> we saw some very odd and things that we kind of wish they never would have found. Uh, primarily Pipers leading the grad students to grad night. Grad night. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the 70s uh, were... were <laughs> it, was a, it was a rough time <laughs> for Disney. I, but you know what? I think, you know, in looking back and sort of uh, more on a grand scale, I think we as Disney fans and D23 members that look for some of the things that you might not normally see on the Disney Parks blog or in PR materials, like the fact that they sort of drop the guard a little bit and say, look at what we were doing back then. Um, look at some of, not just the outfits, but look at some of our promotional materials back then where you can look back and just go, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say that the weird Disney um, presentation they gave at the Disneyland D23 um, was my favorite. It really was my, my favorite. And I was looking forward to seeing this one. And yeah, they, they repeated a couple of things, but it was great to see it again. But to see them kind of pull the veil back a little bit and say, okay, yeah, we're human too, and these are some of the things that we've experienced, and this is how Disney grew up through the years. There was some interesting outfits. There were some interesting haircuts that we had to relive, unfortunately, for a few minutes. But yeah, it's coming all the way back to that whole grad night thing again. I, I think that that's, we're not going to let go of that one. We'll get to Mike Douglas soon enough. Oh my uh, God, I <laughs> As people who had never been to Destination D before, as you're sitting there in that first presentation, is that what you had expected? Is that what you had hoped for? Is that what is that something you guys really enjoyed? I thought it was really fun, I, and I would echo the comments of uh, of you guys that it, we we both work for a very conservative company. So seeing a company like Disney that's always so polished and everything's really perfect to just like you know make some little funny jokes and have that rapport and really take shots at themselves was, was pretty interesting and refreshing. And I, I thought it was a good way to kick off the event, sort of like loosen everybody up a little bit and make it fun. I'm glad I missed the '70s. That's, that's all I was. <laughs> Well, and, and they did sort of, you know, Dave Smith, who was the former archivist, um, the original archivist, came out. The next presentation, which lasted about an hour and 15 minutes, was Walt Disney World the way we were. And it really was looking back on some of those things. They started combing through the archives for stuff that geeks like Scott and I live for. The old pictures that you don't get a chance to see, old video clips, um, things like the shops and, and the attractions that aren't there, there anymore. A lot of those really obscure things that that keep us up late at night. Absolutely. Yeah, he had a, a big slide presentation with a whole bunch of uh, photos in natural color, uh, basically of the construction of Walt Disney World and 
all, basically, you know, the the you know the hotels, the Magic Kingdom, and then he also progressed through uh, the construction and and a lot of vintage photography of also the you know Epcot and its huge construction, and then going through all the other parks as well. It was quite amazing. A lot of neat stuff that I've never seen before. Yeah, you mentioned Epcot, and after a, a lunch break, a couple of, we had a, a two-hour break for lunch. Um, you know, we, we have to remember that when Walt's original plans for the Florida project, for what Walt Disney World was going to be, really centered around, literally and figuratively, Epcot. And I was happy that the next presentation broke that out separately. It was Epcot, Walt Disney's Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow, Paul Anderson again, Longtime Disney historian, works for the Family Museum, which everybody should go and see, uh, and author. He used to publish a, a great magazine and, and has written a ton, speaks all over the country. And Steve Vagnini, who was Dave Smith's intern and now works for the Walt Disney Company, uh, really a big part of putting this event together, did a fantastic presentation, I think, on Walt's vision of Epcot, not the theme park, but Epcot, the city. Um, what they were able to dig out of the archives and put together and recreate and introduce to a lot of people, like Becky, uh, for the first time, the Astuder Computer Review and Mr. Eggs and, and uh, some other thing, but really more about the building of the city um, and sort of carrying Walt's vision forward. A lot of things that we, like Scott, you and I, we like the old books and the ephemera and, and trying to do the research, things we didn't see a long time. And I have got to say, I was so impressed... Um, with Stephen Vagnini. That was the first time I saw him speak in that type of environment, and he was so comfortable and so well-spoken and really made you, the audience, feel comfortable. It was sort of a, a conversational kind of thing, and we'll talk more about how that dynamic um, came through and I think started was some of the presentations that really resonated with people. What did you guys, especially as being more Disneyland people, think of that? Yeah, I thought it was really fascinating. I mean, Steve started off talking about how Epcot has this mystique, right? And there's all these, like, opinions and theories about what Epcot was supposed to be and what would happen if, you know, Walt lived 10 more years and all this other stuff. Um, and I thought it was really good to start, you know, literally from the beginning and talk as the plans progress and then after Walt's passing, how the company continued. And I, I mean... I think this presentation made it made me feel like, you know, I couldn't really get this thing elsewhere. You know, I could pour through Epcot books um, or, you know, I could, you know, research heavily online to see what people have said about this. But I thought it was really cool. It's like these guys probably know more about Epcot than anyone else. And because I was here, I was able to, you know, get this information. I probably won't be easily accessible, you know, again in the future unless they release the video of it. So, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Right, I think that's one of the benefits. You know, people talk about becoming a D23 member and the benefits of membership. These are the kind of things that you're able to get exposed to either at the Destination D events, at the expo, online, on the things that they put out. Um, and I think, too, as I was watching this, I'm going, we could build this. We could have done this thing. Like, it just it made sense. And you're right. Ten more years is what they sort of almost ended out, out with as to that realization of this really becoming uh, a city. Yeah, and, and the other thing I would say is that this was by far, I thought, the most sort of scholarly, you know, presentation. Like, this was, you know, it wasn't, um, you know, like a far cry from Weird Disney, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it, it wasn't, you know, talking about attractions that they're going to build or, any, or anything or a look inside Imagineering. This was like, you know, a really, really good lecture, 
mm-hmm. on on Epcot. Um, and, I mean, I literally sort of went back to you know went back to like my best classes in college. You know what I mean? And it wasn't boring at all. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. I mean, it, it it shows that you know the archives and the people who work you know within the company have you know serious sort of you know they've got some brains. Yeah. It was actually kind of nice to get that background and get the detail because what I knew of of Epcot in Walt's vision was what you saw as you were going past it on the TTA. You know, you, you see the, the mural and they do a little you know, quicker, the, the model, and they do a little quick um, uh, thing on it. But I didn't really know how it translated from where it was when Walt was thinking about it and announced it to what we ended up with. So there was a lot of information that was wonderful to hear to, to pull those pieces together. They kind of made you feel as though they were taking you back in time, sort of going through the steps at WED as they were putting this together, and they animated some of those static drawings. And I know you, Scott and I were sitting next to each other like, dude, this is awesome. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that uh, when Walt um, basically was planning the entire Florida project, not, you know, not including the Magic Kingdom, basically even coming to Florida, it, the Epcot project was what was the, you know, the the end result of all that and so it was going to be part of plan two or phase two anyway and so um yeah it's just seeing all of those things about you know like uh, all the transportation um, the ways they were going to do that and integrate it with the community and the industry and uh, how it was going to be this giant you know community here in florida and, you know, they did start with you know, the Magic Kingdom, but it was going to become all that. Yeah, it was amazing just to see how all the plans for that. Was. And how different what we have now is from what they had originally yeah. envisioned as far as what Epcot would be and what the rest of Walt Disney World would be. We know about the airport. We know about the industrial park. We learned a lot more about what the theme park and what the resort communities were going to be like. Uh, you know, we in this day and age we're, we're starved for content and we, we um, go to websites and read blogs and download podcasts and yet we still sort of clamor for more. We always wish that there was more on TV and we think back that years ago, even from going back to Disneyland, how important TV was to the financing and the advertising and the marketing of the parks and even once Walt Disney World opened, how TV introduced millions of people um, around the country and around the world to what was going on here. And unfortunately, a lot of those shows have gone away. Sometimes you can only catch a very staticky, uh, you know, not so great Betamax to uh, digital copies on YouTube. But Tim O'Day and Rob Klein, who's one of the archivists, and again, Disney, uh, Tim O'Day has worked for the Disney company for years. He's an author, also another historian. You put him and, and Paul Anderson together, there's a, quite a font of Disney knowledge there. They go back to Disney on television, uh, not just from what Disney put out and sort of those grand opening specials and things like that, but the coverage of Disney World and how important that was. Um, It was great to see remastered copies of opening ceremonies and Bob Hope standing right by where we are sitting right now, stepping off the monorail and seeing the contemporary for the first time and getting a real (laughs) knee-jerk reaction from from Bob Hope. But... um, you know, things like I alluded to the Mike Douglas special um, and, you know, the Cosby you know, show and, and some of the things that the news media produced and Disney produced. And the important thing, too, and we heard more about this from guys like Charlie Ridgway, was the media coverage of the opening of the parks. 
Disney didn't need to advertise because, you know, hundreds and hundreds of news stations were here broadcasting via satellite. And I think Charlie said that by the next day, by October 2nd, 1982, like 85% of the nation knew that Epcot had opened the day before. Um, what did you guys think of this? Because it was a lot of sort of us just sitting back and watching. There was a, a few laughs to be had as well. Yeah, uh, so I, I skipped out on the first part to run over and go see the new Hitchhiking Ghost scene. Uh, sorry about that. Um, but I, I did catch the end, and uh, I really, really liked the uh, the Disney Inside Out vid- uh, TV show videos. I thought that was really clever. It was like this sort of, um, they went. I guess it was an 80s show, 90s show? 90s, 90s show. Um, where it had these these funny guys doing sort of little pranks in the parks on cast members or asking um, regular guests to uh, hold a cup of water <laughs> while they were riding Big Thunder Mountain, holding the cups in their mouths. Uh, and see Do that while you're doing the ultimate touring plan, why don't you? Yeah, uh, not recommended. So uh, I, I thought it was really cool. I mean, it's it's cool to see, you know, we have all the like resort TV now, and we have you know occasionally TV specials that happen in the park, so it's sort of cool to see that through the years. Yeah, but to see, you know, to be able to be at home and have a two-hour TV special about the theme parks we don't have. And Inside Out, it was Scott Harriet hosted for a while, J.D. Roth hosted with Brianne Leary, George Foreman was on there. Another couple of things they had, though, they showed us some of the original commercials of when Walt Disney World was opening. <laughs> things to get people to come in. Eastern Airlines commercials were shown. Uh, creepy. A little creepy. <laughs> yes, it was. But it's things that also stuck in our minds over the years. So it's like, oh, my gosh, we're seeing this commercial again. For, I'm not sure if this was exactly this presentation, but the thing keeps coming up in my mind over and over again, besides Mike Douglas, is... Glenn Campbell? Glenn Campbell <laughs> is the opening, they're doing the opening shot, and that's how it started, the opening of Epcot, and he's walking through the field, trying to hit his marks, and trying not to fall over as he's playing guitar and singing, and trying to match it perfectly when a monorail goes by, but it was, it was just, it was odd. It was very odd. <laughs> Was it more odd than the Mike Douglas bad comb-over with the green and red velour jumpsuit in the summer, singing to the woman uh, in the blue? Singing the to good, the hotel. Singing he to the hotel. song to the hotel is what he was doing. And then, uh, you know, randomly as he's singing, he's taking a breath, and he looks up and he goes, guys, get the woman in blue. And she's on the balcony, you know, waving fanatically at him. So, yeah, that was that was entertaining. There was a little bit of weird Disney thrown in, yeah. in here as well. Um but it was a great sort of... I like the fact that it broke it up because it was a scholarly, scholarly presentation beforehand. This was a lot funnier and there was, it was a lot of things just to see. Uh, the next one was one I know a lot of people were very excited about, not only because of the topic, but because of the host. Uh, it's Tony Baxter. We know him as a legendary Imagineer, really sort of that next generation of Imagineering legends, sort of that, that new face of... Imagineering, the new Exitensio and Mark Davis and, and all those people who we'll, we'll talk about later on. Uh, but he talked about the result, the Walt Disney World that never was. And speaking personally, far and away, other than the last thing we saw tonight, this for me was the payoff. I It was over and I said I can go home. I, I've gotten my money's worth. Three words for you. Western, river, expedition, um, models, and, and look... Again, Scott, you and I, and I know a lot of us, um, we talked to other people like, you know, Jim Corcus, Paul Anderson. Nobody had ever seen the model 
the huge model of Thunder Mesa and the Western River Expedition, seeing how close it was to becoming a reality, giving us a virtual ride through yeah. it with music and narration. Mechets and uh, yeah, they used mechets, uh, drawings and and music basically to take us through the entire attraction of the Western River Expedition. It probably took you know, eight, ten minutes or something like that. It was more detail than I'd ever seen before on that, and that was going to be, you know, Mark Davis's uh, just extravaganza, you know, that eventually uh, Big Thunder Mountain kind of took over that place. But, yeah, that that alone was worth the price of it. I mean, imagine, and for those who don't know, and we'll, we'll, I, I need to do it, especially now, I'm happy I waited a full show on it, but imagine Big Thunder Mountain probably ten times that size yeah. in that whole corner of Frontierland three attractions, a water ride, a mine car ride, um, what it would have been. That and so much more that they covered was just, I mean, people were literally, you could hear them, you know, breathing in. Well, I found it interesting, and okay, this is going to be one of those things, me being the the West Coaster that didn't realize this, was that originally that, that ride, or part of it, had been the answer to the Pirates of the Caribbean on the East Coast, which is something I didn't know. So that really opened my eyes. And then to see the virtual run-through of what that would have been and the story that it said and the, the detail that went through it, it was just it was phenomenal. Yeah, we, we well, many of us know the story about how when Walt Disney World opened, uh, there was no Pirates of the Caribbean. Mark Davis saying, well, look, Walt Disney World is near the Caribbean. It's in Florida. People aren't going to... It's not as exotic. People aren't going to be as interested because it's near there and they live it. Um, guests complained that there was no pirates. They had seen it on TV or they had seen it in Disneyland. So Card Walker says, yeah, stop what you're doing. Get me a Pirates of the Caribbean built in six months, eight months, whatever it was. Looking at this now, I think had Western River Expedition been built, people wouldn't have been asking for pirates. Yeah. And if you remember Hoot Gibson, the owl, in the preview center in Town Square... In the exposition hall, at, the, at that point, it was still the Gulf Hospitality House, telling people it's coming next year and it's going to be built and come see me. Um, it made me understand and appreciate why Mark Davis was so passionate about it. Yeah, I mean, I, this stuff I think is by far the most fascinating. When you know Tony Baxter gets up there and talks about attractions that were never built and why they weren't built and all the considerations and sort of their sort of process of going through and coming up with new ideas. Like every single time he he talked about a new attraction, I was like, wait, wait, can we do like an hour on Mount Fuji before you meet, move to you know meet the world or the, your crazy land pavilion sketches, living with the seas like the, that was unbelievable. I mean, so and, and also I felt like it's if anyone has the big Imagineering book, like the big paperback, it's huge. And then the, they came out the next generation. It was essentially like that book, like coming to life and like actually having Tony Baxter narrate with way more concept art than you could shake a stick at. So. And stuff we've, that none of us have ever... I mean, they even said... Tony said, I haven't seen this stuff. I've never seen this. They combed through the archives to find it. And, I, and again, as D23 members, you know, I did. I felt privileged to be able to let them share that with us. Well, when Tony was up there uh, speaking about these different items, he also focused on resorts that, did, that were talked about but never came out, items in uh, World Showcase. And when he talked about things in the Magic Kingdom... He I, he did not mention the Western River Expedition yet, and I kept wondering, when are we going to get to it? When are we going to get to it? And then he goes, and then 
I'm sure what other people are wondering about. And then he went into the uh, Western River Expedition. I have to say, he, he, like he said, there's concept art that he had never seen before until a couple of weeks before. And it was ones that obviously that we never had. And I just remember looking at you and Scott both at, going, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Build this. Build it now. And we're all just going this wow. Get, I, in my head, I'm actually going, take what's there now and just get rid of it and build over, please. Yeah. No one will mind if you do that. Yeah, and you even alluded to how different the makeup of the resorts would have been. A lot. We, we, we've talked about the resorts, the Asian, the Persian, the Venetian, the ones that were announced and never built. But the, the whole idea of the Magic Kingdom sort of being off on its own, being surrounded by nine different motels and hotels of names that none of us had ever even heard were... Con- what was it? Like the... There was a Cape Cod. The Cape Cod Resort, the Chinese the Resort. The Dutch Resort. Yeah. yeah. Another item, though, what um, I guess was supposed to be over by India, the India India Resort, was a boat ride through another dinosaur land area. So they'd have the dinosaurs there and everything else. It's like, what? <laughs> and a monorail that went through the Magic Kingdom. It went through the it went through Tomorrowland and came out. So you know, there was so much detail in all the things that they were showing us, and I, I was sad in a way that that was the first one that they said absolutely no photography. So it, you were trying to soak up every single piece of detail the the print on the side, the blueprints, the pieces, the the um, the artwork, trying to embed it in your mind, and it was kind of kind of difficult. I wish we could have walked away with some. And I will tell you that that I was conflicted um, because when I went in. I, uh, I wasn't tweeting a lot. Like, I wasn't really because I wanted to just m- not miss anything. I, wanted, I didn't want to be looking down at my phone. So I felt guilty that I couldn't share a lot of what was going on there detail-wise. So a, a little bit for selfish reasons, but I enjoyed that presentation right. uh, immensely. Well, what, what would have been great is that if you could take a picture and then later on go blow it up to, yeah. like, you know, 160 times just to read some of the little handwritten notes that were in some of the corners on some of that stuff. It was, it was incredible. Yeah, and again, it wasn't just sort of a... a, a Slideshow like you had back in seventh grade. I mean, they did a phenomenal job putting these together. Uh, after a dinner break from eight to ten, and again, this was this was a long day. You're going from ten in the morning till ten at night. Uh, Tony Baxter came back again with Tim O'Day, and it was from the vault. It was Walt Disney World Resort on film. So instead of seeing stuff that was done on TV, you saw a lot of theatrical and internal promotional materials uh, again that they sort of pulled out from. The Disney archives. Uh, what did you guys think about this? Um, you know, sort of being able to sit back and, and kind of just be narrated through, but getting a chance to watch things that most of us as guests and even cast members had never seen before. Well, for me, it was kind of an awe-inspiring. I've, I've, you know, growing up, I was born in '76, lose not '96, by the way. So, <laughs> but so you know, first time I went to Disney was probably like '82. Uh, my father worked for AT&T, so we got actually got a tour around Epcot. But you know. Not having been there before and not being of an age probably to really appreciate it, you know, getting to see it from that perspective, you know, I feel like I missed out a lot in my childhood not not going to Disney as much as you guys probably had. So it was, it was I was just sitting there like, you know, eyes wide, just staring. It's like, you know, I, I, I got to get this on camera. And it's like, no, you know, I actually got caught in, in trouble, too. So <laughs> I put my camera away. So it was, it was awesome. Do, do you feel like it helped you gain maybe a better appreciation of what you see now by either knowing what was planned, what wasn't coming, how different it might have been, and even maybe 
how Disney sort of was trying to present it to guests then versus what we see the way they present it to us now? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, we watch the promotional materials that they have now and just thinking about comparing it to what they had then. I, you know, I almost wish, like, you know, Andy was saying that we could, we could have them and take them home and watch them again just to, to make that comparison of how things have changed. And I completely agree and feel the same way about, you know, I don't have the memory of how a lot of these things were from when I was a kid. So being able to see it again, was, it was really cool. I really enjoyed it. And the way they presented it, too, again, it's not us sort of scouring YouTube for some obscure piece of a video clip. These are the entire presentations from beginning to end. So again, it was that sense of, you know, privilege and sort of that reward for being a member and being able to see it. Yeah, they, uh, these two actually did the same type of presentation at Destination D uh, Disneyland. And so be able to see these ty- same type of videos. One of them they did in Disneyland came in like the signature series of Disneyland. So you could actually watch it at home. And now I'm just like, where do I get this one for yeah. Walt Disney World? I mean, I have the Disneyland. I want the Walt Disney World version of this now. Yeah, that is a great merchandising opportunity for them <laughs> to basically put all these together or even separately and uh, sell them to us. We will buy them, please. I, I was thinking Walt Disney Treasures tin DVD Absolutely. of Walt Disney World. And, and we saw that they were recording this. I'd love, and I'm curious as to whether or not they'll ever share this with guests who weren't able to attend. You know, the, for yeah, one of them was absolutely fully restored, and it looked absolutely pristine. Yeah. And so, you know, they must have done that for something, you know, put it in that effort. So, I'd, yeah, I'd like to see that in the future. If, if, it, if they build it, we will buy it. We will buy it. <laughs> There's one thing I do want to point out, though, on that first day at the very beginning. We did get to have the first ambassador of Walt Disney World up on stage. And so she was able to talk a little bit about her experiences on that first day. So, And seeing things like the preview center that 99% of us probably never got to see. And, and, right, her, and their perspectives of what Walt Disney World was like, what, what they thought it was going to be um, as well. Yeah, well, the preview center itself, I, I didn't know. Okay, again, I know something else I didn't know about Disney World. I know, I get it. But to see that they had set up the center and that one point something million people had had come in to see the the location and that the merchandising really wasn't a lot for Disney World at the time it was neat to see those pictures and, and to see that history. Yeah and for me you know as somebody who um, keeps alluding to the fact that this was nothing but a pile of muck and swamp to see it as a pile of muck and swamp with nothing but you know sort of a dirt path being carved by the by the executives cars going back and forth through it, it was fascinating to me to sort of watch that process happen. Um, day two started off uh, at 9.30 with a surprise morning with the Walt Disney World ambassador team. And it was, you won't want to miss this very special, and did we mention surprising, presentation at the start of your day. Henry, when you saw this on the schedule, what did you think that surprise morning <laughs> was going to be with the ambassador team? Because we were sort of speculating today, so I wanted to hear what maybe you thought might be coming. All I thought was 9.30 is really early. Uh, I have to say I actually missed it. What was the surprise? I'm sorry, I can't share that with you. Jeremy, um, what did you, if anything, did you think that a surprise was coming? If so, what? We figured there could, there was obviously going to be something because the schedule said so. Um, but it was just more of what, what will they share with us about uh, being ambassadors and what what could be going on for them at this time of year. Did anybody have sort of an idea or, or you guys figure out, I know what it's going to be, it's going to be X? 
I thought they were going to announce that they were going to put the people mover back at Disneyland. <laughs> but, but then I realized, wait, this is about what? That would have been a surprise. Yeah. That would have been a really big surprise. Actually, rocket rods are coming to Disney World. They're going to yank out. Wow. Right. So. Moving on. Um, the next presentation uh, was hosted by Jason Sorrell. It was Walt Disney World in, in detail. He also brought along Imagineer Alex Wright and Jason Grant. Quick aside, when we talk about people like Tony Baxter being that next generation, these guys are undoubtedly the faces, the voices, um, and the brains of that next generation of Imagineers. You've heard Jason Sorrell's name countless times, probably. He's been on the show before and talking about pirates and haunted mansion. Alex Wright writes the Imagineering Field Guides, which Scott and I probably have two copies each of them. Um, and Jason Grant is an incredibly talented Imagineer. And from talking to you guys and talking to other people, this is one that I think seemed to resonate the most. They were concerned. We had talked to them beforehand the day before, and they said, oh, my God, look at these presentations with keynotes and flying graphics and stuff. And they said, we just had this little like PowerPoint thing. And I said, people aren't going to care. It's going to be about the content. But just their delivery of it, I found to be the most engaging and the most interesting because it was like, they were talking with us. Not, not to take away anything from anybody else, but it was a very fun, unscripted, lively kind of conversation almost. Yeah, I thought, like, I mean, they're, they're, they seem like real people. Like, oftentimes, Imagineers are behind the veil. You don't see them. You don't talk to them. They're, they're, they don't, like, you, they don't, like, trod them out on parade often and force them to talk about stuff. Like, these guys are extremely sharp like really creative and they also have to be major nerds and so that it was really really interesting I mean they're they're also uh, really hilarious so I was kind of I was, I was yeah there was a, a huge injection of humor into this um, I loved it because I, I love the details uh, Andrew and Lear were probably like why didn't you show this before the scavenger hunt so we would have known where to, because these are the guys that put in those what I like to look at is those extra layers of the onion. You know, it's it, Walt Disney World is more than just enjoying the attractions. The more you come, and the more you try and pick up those details and the stories. And I took you sort of through that process at Imagineering as to how it happens, and some of the things that they put in are so obscure and so incredibly detailed. Um, I, I was fascinated by it. One of my favorite ones they they mentioned, um, and this is why I believe that people that work at the archives really need to be talking to these new Imagineers is to get these stories of how they came up with the developments. There was the um, the banners at Epcot, and there's a shape that's on there that you don't really ever notice, and... We all thought it was Horizons. Yeah, we were sitting there looking at it going, okay, that, that, that's cool, and you see the pattern as it's going from top right and working its way down to the bottom left, and it turns out it's actually patterned off the stair at the people mover that's going up to the upper level. And if you look at it from the side, that's what the shape is. And no one knew that except for him. And so these are the types of things that we're all just, like, fascinated about. And these guys, the banner between them is really keeping it going. So these are why these things are sticking in our minds. So it's, please, get more of these stories from these guys. Cause and you understand why it's personal to them and the meaning that it has and other things they, they take. And, and I liked it because I think hopefully it does make people want to spend more time um, going through. Uh, The next panel of Imagineers came out to talk about Imagineering Walt Disney World from yesterday to tomorrow. This, again, was about sort of inside their minds. This sort of gave us another sneak peek forward, especially when we were talking about things like 
the art of animation resort. They talked about Fantasyland. And again, for the first time, we got looks at concept art for the art of animation resort that nobody has seen before. We had seen maybe those three or four sketches each. Um, and I think a lot of people are just sort of a very basic, I love Walt Disney World, I'm waiting to see what's next, really enjoy that. Yeah, especially when you're looking at the resorts, when the art of animation, because there's so much thought that's going into this, and that whole space is, everyone's kind of been waiting for something to happen out there. This new concept of having the family suites has gone over really well, so we learned that they've got now, what, a thousand, how many rooms did they say that they've got now for that? I forget. But they are definitely going heavy to those, those family suites that will accommodate six guests, which is incredible at one of the value resorts. But the thing that I found most fascinating is that each of those arms, the extended arms, where one is Cars Land, or one is Cars, I mean, one is um, Little Mermaid, Lion King, and Nemo. Each one of them shrinks you down into a certain elevation so that you are really immersed in those worlds. And seeing some of that concept art was just fascinating. So, Jennifer, real quick, we're talking about things from Uber geeky, Uber history to things that are coming in the future. At this point, are the things, is there any part of this that seems to resonate with you more than the others? And if so, what? I really found more of the history more interesting. And some of the the discussions that came later that we're going to talk about more really resonated with me just because, like you said, with Alex and Jason and Jason, it was very unscripted and you didn't really know what they were going to say next. So it was very interesting to kind of hear them just something comes into their head and they're like, oh, we have to tell you this story. So that was all very interesting to me. So did you feel that you liked hearing sort of those unscripted stories that just sort of Everybody's sort of nodding. This is this is not this is an audio podcast, by the way. Yeah, um, it's those unscripted stories that you enjoyed almost, maybe not more, but just in a different way than you do sort of the more academic presentations or even the the visual stuff, like we saw with this Imagineering yesteryear to tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I, what I what I liked the most is that out of all these presentations, um, you know, it wasn't really like. It didn't feel like marketing speak. It didn't feel like the companies prepared a press release and they expanded it to an hour long and here's the PowerPoint presentation. I mean, every every single presentation I thought, uh, probably this probably was most tight-lipped, this one, because, you know, they're, they're talking about things that they haven't been announced yet, so they don't want to set wrong expectations or, you know, things, plans can definitely change and stuff like that. And I, I thought that was totally fine. Um, but, yeah, like, you always just wanted to, you know, have Tony Baxter be like, Hey, let me tell you a story about, you know, why I thought the Living Seas concept was really cool and why it wasn't built, right? And so you just wanted more and more of that. Yeah. And we did get um we did get an announcement that was shared sort of simultaneously on the Disney Parks blog. Um I think a lot of people when they saw Surprise in the morning were thinking, It's Tiki Room. Tiki Room's coming and they did announce uh, at this that the enchanted Tiki Room uh is going back. At least we think it's going back to the, to the original, and it's not under new management 2.0 now in sense around or something. So um, we have something to look forward in addition to Little Mermaid and the Animation Resort, and certainly they showed us more about Fantasyland and Gaston's Tavern seems like it's one of the most in- intriguing parts of that. Um, we talked about this new generation of Imagineers. What I loved about Destination D and Disneyland and this one here was having Marty Sklar the real head of Imagineering, now sort of more of an ambassador role. Starting out a panel, again, with Debbie Dane Brown, who was the original 71 ambassador, but Disney legends and Imagineers and people who were integral into not just building Walt Disney World and getting it off the ground in 71, 
but the people who are here on the ground in 1965, starting the process. So you had people like Orlando Ferrante, uh, Bob Foster, who was legal counsel, who was coming down, making those secret acquisitions of land. Bob Gurr, who is always good for a great story and a laugh. Uh, you can tell these guys don't work for the company anymore because they're a lot more free-flowing with their stories. And another Disney legend, um, Ron Logan. You talk about unscripted. Marty Sklar had a legal pad, like with handwritten notes on the front, and the stories just sort of came out. And, and I really like this because um, when, I ha- when I like to have Imagineers and stuff and, and this older generation on the show, it's because I like hearing and recording their stories from their own words, not something that they've written, but hearing them tell it because you can't sort of convey that passion and emotion from there. And I know um, a lot of us, I think, sort of got something out of this on, on different levels. Right. So we were actually having a conversation, you know, during during the process, and she's like, you know, Leo, my wife. Oh, it's hard to say that, but I know, but I'm not used to it. It's it. easier, don't yeah. worry. But yeah, so we were talking, and even though we've heard heard the information before, you know, hearing it coming from their mouths actually, you know, it made it ring a little little differently, and it you know, kind of added a little oomph and plussed it, so to speak. Uh, so it, it was really rewarding. And hearing them jab each other, you know, you yeah. can tell these guys were friends from ages ago and hearing Bob and Marty sort of dig each other still now uh, yeah it seemed like Bob Gurr was going to take on anybody who challenged him he like, hey I'll challenge you to a wrestling match come on let's go Bob was getting a lot of grief for yeah. all the Disneyland problem because you know Bob says listen if it, if it moved I made it and they were like well Disneyland not a lot of stuff was moving opening day Bob so you know it's a catch 22 it's a double edged sword yeah and I just really love hearing the stories from their mouths like you said you can read the written word but you could tell on their faces that somebody was would say something and then a story would just pop into somebody else's head and they really wanted to share whatever it, that memory was that they had and like you said the little jabbing and pokes back and forth were really entertaining and it's it's wonderful to hear the people who were there who were there with Walt when this whole thing began it, it was just fascinating right so you you get a sense of the camaraderie you get a sense of the thinking mm-hmm. um, the things that were working and didn't work and that they were unable to do and again there's very much that, that reverence in when they talk about Walt Disney. And the creativity, just the, the sheer amount of, of creative ways to get around challenges. Because we were hearing some stories about some of the things that they were they met up against, and they said, well, what if we just do this? And, and just hearing how their brains work to, to create this magic. And hearing how Walt inspired them and how you never said no to Walt um, was interesting, too. <laughs> More Imagineers came out, this time in a panel hosted by Tim O'Day, Jack Lindquist, um, who was the first president of Disneyland, uh, Bob Matheson, Tom Nabby, Charlie Ridgway, who was Disney's publicist, uh, and Bill Sully Sullivan. These guys are great because these guys were the frontline guys who were here when Walt Disney World opened. They told you about those same challenges, those same obstacles that they had to overcome, what it was like being here um, on September 29th, 30th, and October 1st. Um, as they were waiting for cars to come in and what those few days afterward were like. Um, and again, you know, these guys are up there in age, so this is this may be one of the last few opportunities to hear those stories. Um, but there was also an autograph session, so it was great. So, again, this is that opportunity that D23 members have that other people don't get to meet and talk to them and bring things to be signed, take pictures with them, whatever. Um, but for... for time's sake, I, I want to get to the final presentation, which is the one that people lined up so early for, we're all raising our hands, um, 
and having been to Destination D last year, really looked forward to. It's called Magic Journeys, a flight of fancy through 40 years of Walt Disney World musical memories. And we knew we were going to hear sort of a, a musical history of Walt Disney World, what we thought was going to be punctuated by uh, Richard M. Sherman. Uh, I, we've told the story. Becky can't give me any grief anymore about blowing off her birthday at Club 33 last yes, year. To hear Richard, <laughs> we'll talk about the payoff that we got tonight. Um, what was your guys' thought sort of going into this and, uh, and what this was going to be like? Yeah, so I, I was at the Disneyland sort of equivalent of this, I guess. Um, and it, it was really interesting. I mean, um, uh, Dick Sherman came out and did a bunch of, of his songs in the beginning, and he was narrating it. Um, and then they went into a bunch of um, sort of celebrity sort of um, versions of a bunch of popular tra- of, of popular theme park songs. Uh, and they ended with this grand small world finale with a cast member thing in Disneyland. Uh, this one started with... Um, uh, Richard Sherman and Tim O'Day uh, going back and forth with each other, going through you know his songs and, and history and stuff like that. And I thought that worked really, really well because yeah. it wasn't just you know just uh, Sherman up there just like talking on himself. Like Tim, you know, did a good job. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. But like, I felt like we got. We got twice as much time with them right. than when than we did in, in Disneyland. It felt like this was much more drawn out and, and um, uh, more interesting. And I'll let you talk. And they two had a great rapport, and there was a dynamic between them. And it was great seeing. I mean, Richard Sherman thanked the audience after every single song. He thanked him for himself and for his brother, uh, who lives in London now. We know from the boys about their sort of storied history. But yeah, we you know we thought that Richard Sherman was sort of the payoff. That was sort of the big end of the night. There was a, a little opening act beforehand, um, and then Tim O'Day sort of brought us through. Uh, but uh, you know, Richard Sherman on his own. Look at me, come on, Becky. I'm looking at you. You, I mean, he forgetting about the music and and the songs and the talent and how go by going through his history through from film to theme park, there is something that that definitely people have a, an emotional attachment to, whether it's, it's hearing Haley Mills sing something or hearing Scott Otis's rendition of, you know, One Little Spark. Um, there was something that was eliciting an emotional response from everybody. Oh, yeah, that, that's to say the least. And, of course, I'm sitting there with, with tears just running down my face during... Tuppence because you know that to feed the birds that always makes me cry it really does and for some reason he the brothers had a way of putting this wonderful lyrical um, message and story to music and bringing it to life and to watch him even at this stage in his career sit there and share that with us like you said he thanked us every time but you could tell he really had joy and love for every single note that he was laying down and it was just wonderful and magical to watch him perform tonight he was having fun I mean he's probably played these songs a trillion times and he was clearly having fun and I think he was having fun because he was playing to the people that get it more than anybody else also, not just that, but also, he, I really liked his introduction to each song. Like he talked about why they came up with this, how they sort of came up with this, the word, the plan words, and then this like the line that he kept using that like Walt just had them make it work, right? <laughs> just like make this song, and that explains you know 
the whole problems of the world and you know saving the children blah 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 blah. <laughs> so it was it was pretty interesting. Yeah, and I mean, really, we could probably talk about uh, Richard Sherman sort of uh, individually what it meant to us and, and songs and things like that. But again, we thought that Richard Sherman was sort of the the the, the payoff. We thought that was it. You know, when he was done, it was a, stand, a long-standing ovation, and he comes off, and, and Tim O'Day and Becky Klein come up, and we say what they think are their goodbyes, and they step off the stage, and some and uh, uh, Carol, who is the, you may know her as the Hat Lady from the UK, and two singers come out, and they sing Golden Dream, and it's a tear fest out in the audience, and again, we think maybe that's it, and then as it comes to its conclusion... Encore, which is the Disney, is that what it's called? Encore? The Disney World cast member choral group? I'm looking to Scott for some sort of visual. I, I need to stop you because I believe you, you were forgetting something. Yes. yes. Wait, was it before? Oh, it was before that. Oh, wait a minute. I have them out of order. Sorry. First of all, it's 11.45. We've been going for four days straight, so I had my order. Exactly. Is it 12.45? And I can't tell time. Our secret weapon has to get up for work in like two hours. All right, let's move fast. All right, so I, I apologize because I did get it out of order. Because um, you're right, it did happen during Richard Sher- Sherman's thing. Uh, the song that he was going to finish with, thanks for stopping me, anybody, um, was from the Imagination Pavilion. And he went through magic journeys, and we know one little spark is coming, but nobody saw this coming when... The Dreamfinder came out on stage in the original costume. It is the original Dreamfinder um, with Figment, with the original puppet in his hand. So cool! Flames from the side of my face. We people lost their minds. Somebody say something. I'm without speech. Oh wow! That it, when because you hear the music, you hear the singing, and then the the voice fades out, and you hear. Dreamfinder starting to sing, and then you see him walking out. People sitting behind me sat there going, Jeremy, I looked at the back of your head, and I just saw this grin <laughs> just forming. And we couldn't see your face, but we could see this grin. Oh, my gosh. I, we're just like little school kids going, oh, it's Santa Claus um, type of a thing. It's, that, to me, was such, such the highlight right there. It, it was. I, I mean, it was. That was the payoff that nobody saw coming and it was it was a highlight I mean seeing the Dreamfinder again I felt the entire room just go <gasps> and take it in and everyone got on their feet and people were clapping and yelling and I saw you know everybody had I was singing I know you were in my ear it was amazing <laughs> and everybody had you know cameras and everyone was holding up cameras and pictures were being taken and it was it was a very uplifting oh my gosh moment and I had seen the Dreamfinder not as a in the in the hallway earlier, and uh, he had he's been on the show before, and, and I never made the connection that maybe something like that was going to happen, and I think that's what, you know, that's the kind of thing that you don't expect. Um, you guys never saw that you coming. Were <laughs> no, no, I didn't didn't see it coming, but was really happy to see it. And that what Dreamfinder is one of the things that I really remember as a kid. So that was really really cool to see. And how often does the Dreamfinder lead you in song with you know a thousand of your closest friends? <laughs> so it was really cool. And there were like little things that he did. I mean, he look, he was the Dreamfinder, and the voice was the same, and you, you know, Figment was the same, and he was still making the same kind of jokes and the same voice but little things like when 
Figment put his head on Richard Sherman's shoulder. There was like this collective, oh, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, again, it's um, it's something that was really a, a really really nice little touch to the evening. One thing I do want to add, though, is after all this, I went up to Lara Sanchez with the D23 team, gave her a big, huge hug, and said, thank you, thank you for bringing the Dreyfinder back. Thank you so much. Uh, and I think you, that sort of encapsulated what everybody's feelings were. And, and again, I, I know um, it's very, very late, and I appreciate you guys hanging out doing this here in the lobby of the uh, in the Grand Canyon Concourse of the Contemporary. But real quick, just to sort of um, wrap up, sort of give me your, your overview of D23, or, or maybe in addition to the Dreamfighter, some of the highlights for you? Yeah, the, the hunt was fantastic, really a lot of fun. The, the, the main event was really interesting, lots of different levels, great variety and types of types of lectures. It wasn't just slides, and, you know, it had sort of more scholarly stuff, more entertaining stuff, um, more, you know, what's coming next kind of stuff, so really good. Uh, and then also, you know, tribute to some of the legends. I thought that was... Um, it was really suiting, and I, I just want more. I mean, I, you know, I hope they release these videos out, even, even not just for the people who came, but for the people who went out. I mean, you know, uh, I almost imagine these things being like TED talks online. Like, you know, they should be on the Disney Parks YouTube channel. They should, you know, push these things out there as great examples of what the Disney company can do and and everything that um, you know Disney fans should should want from it. So, more. More. All right. I, I agree with you. I, and I think a lot of us as Disney, as D23 members want more. Jeremy, you've been to a lot of D23 events, both sides of the country and in Utah. Um, the Did you feel like you got um, your, your money's worth? Do you feel like these are the kind of events you like seeing? Do you also want to see more of this and this kind of event happen every year? I'd love to see this happen more often. I, this is what all of us are wanting in D23. I think this will bring more people into it, such as the two of you. Henry was right in everything he said. This It had the humor. It had the scholarly aspects. It was great. One thing I want to emphasize is air conditioning during the scavenger hunt is a <laughs> wonderful thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's this was so much fun. There's I, It's hard to describe. So you guys, this was what put you over you know, the edge um, to join D23 was it worth it? And, it? and are these the kind of things that you would now recommend to people who aren't D23 members to say, yeah, because of the events like this, you, you should join because it very much is worth it beyond just a sense of community? Yeah, I think so. I mean, to echo some of the earlier points, it was really well done. Everything was really smooth. So it was really just, you know, easy to attend and everything was really digestible and really fun. And I would definitely recommend it to other people and and encourage people to get to know more of the history and the behind the scenes kind of stuff because it's just so fascinating and that's really what draws us in. Oh yeah, definitely. So, you know, you and Cork has kind of started us off on this <laughs> on this little journey of ours and then we're like, you know, we need more and more and more and then we found out this was happening. We're like, we got to be there. I don't care if we use our last vacation day or we have to steal from next year's vacation. We're definitely coming. So then the things I, li- I think I liked the most were definitely the, I guess, I guess the old photos, the structural, because, you know, I went to school for engineering even though now I'm in computers, but, I mean that was when I when I saw those I was I was kind of like smiling kind of like you guys at the end here, so. And and D twenty three by definition is meant to be the official community for Disney fans, and we see from a lot of these events, um, they do try and do things beyond just sitting in seminars to try and foster 
community. And even tonight, they had a sort of a, you know, please sort of hang out and mix and mingle with one another. Do you get that sense of beyond just presentations and events that it's fostering a, a more of a, a global or a greater sense of community? Easily. Absolutely. Well, all of us were were bonding together, whether we were waiting for the next presentation to occur or waiting in line for the, for the queue to open, for the queue, for the next queue to get into the seats. And I did see a lot of people come together, a lot of people talking and, and really bonding about what they just saw. I mean, as we're walking out going, really? There was a, a, a Persian resort or whatever it was, the thing that you discovered in that last presentation. So there was a lot of opportunity to talk about the thing that we love the most, which of course, those types of things draws the community together. Um, personally, I found it very refreshing, once again, to see the company lift the veil a little bit and be human again. Because when you think of Disney, sometimes it's the corporate entity and you don't get to get those little details because they try to hide the things that didn't occur, didn't happen. And for me, it's so refreshing to see how the, um, the thought that Walt had that it never really is complete lives on because you do see there was a plan well that didn't quite fit right so let's let's do something that is going to, to match the dream or, or the vision so I, I love this I really think Destination D is on the right track Jennifer this is your first Destination D and I also want to ask you not only what you think but one thing we didn't talk about was the availability of D23 merchandise there were special limited edition shirts pins buttons reproductions of posters and stuff like that um what did you think of the event, and do you like sort of that, the idea of having special merchandise for these events? And if so, did you get any? Or did you get any for your husband? Um, I definitely like these kinds of events. I've been to, I, I went to the expo, of course, a few years ago, and we've been to a few of the smaller events that they've had here at Walt Disney World, which have been very um, interesting to go to as well. So, um, and like I said, the part I like the most is to see the, the people who were here when they built it from, the, you know, when they started building from the ground. Um, as far as the merchandise, I never made it to the merchandise table. <laughs> I never made no it. No presents for Scott Otis? No presents for Scott Otis. But I, I know from um, past events that I've always you know, tried to pick up something just to commemorate that I've been there. So to have something that says D23 and you could only have gotten it there is, is definitely kind of cool. I, uh, I'm usually not in a, in a, a merchandise guy. I mean, I went and I checked it out. You're but a I, merchandise uh, guy. Well, we see your newscast. We know you're. <laughs> Those, that's not merchandise. That's collectibles. Oh. But I did have to get my little orange nerd shirt. So that, that was my Twitter hashtag today. Um, Scott Otis, Uber Disney geek, cast member, historian, all that kind of stuff like that. Um, again, beyond that, lifting the veil and seeing what's coming, being able to sort of look back. Um, did you get everything that you expected? Maybe anything more from this event? Absolutely. Everything that they showed us, uh, all of the Tony Baxter presentations, you know, Jason Sorrell and Jason Grant and Alex Wright, and all, everything that I'd seen, all those great movies that I just had, you know, I maybe had seen once way back in the early 80s. Yeah, I got everything and more, and I want more. <laughs> so, yes, please, more of these. So. Well, you guys all seem to be echoing um, the dynamic of, of people that I was talking to in between sessions and in the hallways and people I was eavesdropping in on online was they were having a great time, they were having fun, no matter how tired they might have been, Jen, after the scavenger hunt, um, and it was full of little surprises and big surprises like Dreamfinder and the, the rousing concert at the end and that sort of very emotional payoff at the end. 
why you give me the surprise look? Well, because I was just thinking, you're right. All those little surprises come along, like like finding out that there was an egg and it sang, and that you knew how to do the impression. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> See, I can't do it now because I'm laughing too much. Um, I, I certainly feel the same way. This um, this far exceeded my expectations. I I loved the one in Disneyland, although I'm not. That wasn't sort of my home park. I couldn't wait for this, and my expectations were exceeded. Um, I thanked them personally as I saw them, but again, I think huge thanks and and gratitude has to go out to the team from D23 because of the job they did putting this together. All the presenters, you can see this is not something they threw together last minute. They worked long and hard. And we know Steve Vagnini has been combing through the archives for a long, long time. And um, that's a, I think a lot of us wish we could sort of be in some of these guys' positions because of what they got to see and, and what they were able to share. Yeah, I know that Steve Vagnini has been putting in 100-hour weeks uh, these past few months, uh, working really hard, getting all of these uh, presenters together and coming through the archives trying to come all up with all this so definitely a huge shout out to him well and i think we'll just um sort of sum up in the uh in the legendary words of mr eggs who reminded us um <laughs> that he won't forget the licking he got from that big chicken now he gets his poultry from the store <laughs> see <laughs> You got the Dream Finder, and you got the Mr. Eggs impression. So, <laughs> Becky Mankin, Secret Weapon Jennifer Otis, Scott Otis, Andrew, Leah, Jeremy, and Henry Work from... Tori Buzz.com. And... <laughs> Betabouse. And... StarToursLive.com. And the free lines application and so much more. Guys, thank you so much. Um, you guys made the event for me so much fun. A little self-deprecating at, at times as well. Um great time in the scavenger hunt and great time just sharing this together you know we all sort of sat together and it was just a lot of fun so thank you and, and let's do this again and, and, and take us out with a little blunt on the saddle why don't you there Lou <laughs> go ahead Scott <clears throat> I don't think that's going to happen this evening. it's too late oh and the batteries are dying no you could do many things you could widen your world if you had we There was blood on the sand And blood all around And a great big puddle Of blood on the ground When I wrote my first Walt Disney World trivia book back in 2004 and then my second one in 2008, I had always hoped that people would use the books to learn more about Walt Disney World in a fun way, whether it was at home or in the car or even in the parks. I envisioned people challenging themselves or quizzing others as a game to either get excited about an upcoming trip, get a little bit of Disney magic in between vacations, or better yet, even taking the books into the parks with them. I imagined waiting in line for your favorite attraction, maybe quizzing your friends or your family, or even learning a little bit about what you were about to see 
while you were in the queue. Well, now you can in a whole new way because I've been talking about projects I've been working on for some time. So I'm pleased and excited to announce the release just a few days ago of the new Walt Disney World Trivia app for iPhone, iPad, and iTouch devices. The app has nearly 750 multiple choice questions that cover all four theme parks, every Walt Disney World attraction, almost 90 different rides and shows, and like the books, in addition to the questions and answers, you get very detailed answers that give you in-depth historical and background information, secrets, fun facts, lots of new details that hopefully will add some new dimensions to your enjoyment of Walt Disney World. And just like the books, you can test your Disney knowledge at home or even bring the app to the parks to enhance your experience during your visit. You can play with family and friends. You can test yourself whether you're in your room, on the monorail, or even in the parks. And you can even share your score with others online with a simple one-click button that lets you tweet out how you did on an individual attraction or show. The cool thing is that if you're in the parks, the app also can use the built-in GPS, if your device supports it, to sort the questions by the attractions you're closest to. So you can have some fun, learn more about exactly where you are or where you're waiting in Walt Disney World. You can also sort the questions by area or lands or even by name so you can find your favorite attractions and shows really easily. In addition to the trivia questions, the home screen also features hundreds of did you know facts and figures and you'll also get easy one-click access to connect with me in the show or the discussion forums, the store, and lots more. Again, it's a really exciting new way for me to be able to share some of that Disney magic for adults and for kids, whether you're home or in the parks. And I'm also going to be updating the app regularly with new questions and even some new features, all at no additional cost. I'm already working on the first free update, so the app's going to always be improving and getting new content. For more information or to download the app, you can search for WDW Trivia in the iTunes Store. You can also get a direct link to the app in this week's show notes over at WDWRadio.com. If you download and like the app, please let others know by rating and reviewing the app in the iTunes Store. And if you have any questions or suggestions, other features you might like to see, you can email me directly at Lou at WDWRadio.com. Thank you so much. Again, I'm so excited about this. Been working on it for a long time. I hope you enjoy the app at home, in the car, in the parks, and that it brings a little bit of Disney magic to you wherever you are. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks so much for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. Thanks also to my guests on the D23 Roundtable. And thanks to everybody that I had a chance to meet over the past few days, both at the Destination D and Scavenger Hunt events, as well as at the Meet of the Month this past uh, Saturday at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Before I get to this week's announcements, uh, I do have to express my condolences to the families of Lori and Glenn Holland, who lost their lives in the tornadoes in Joplin, Missouri, just a few days ago. Lori was a part of the WDW Radio family and a member of the WDW Radio running team. 
and she actually just returned with Glenn from celebrating their 15th anniversary in Walt Disney World just the day before. Uh, I said from the beginning that I consider listeners and readers and friends, etc., to be part of our extended family, and this loss truly reflects that sentiment now more than ever. Uh, my prayers are with their families, but I do try and take some solace knowing that Lori and Glenn spent their last days together celebrating their love for one another in a place that we know they were happiest. So uh, our prayers and thoughts are with their families during this time. I know many members of the WDW Radio running team will be participating in future uh, Disney events in their honor. If you would like to honor their memories in some way, we would ask that you please donate to the Dream Team Project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. That's the same charity that the WDW Radio running team runs for. I'll put a link in this week's show notes, or you can also visit dreamteamproject.org. In light of that, I want to keep the announcements pretty brief this week, but I want to give you a quick reminder about the WDW Radio Disney Book Club. We're just about to finish up Ridley Pearson's Kingdom Keepers 4. You can visit the WDW Radio blog to find out more about where we are in that and something special we have planned coming up very soon. You can also find out more by visiting thedisneybookclub.com. It's free and, of course, open to everyone. In June and July, we're going to start reading Pirates of the Caribbean, The Price of Freedom by A.C. Crispin. You'll be able to learn the story about how Jack Sparrow came to be a pirate in this book, which really is a prequel to the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. In August and September, we'll be reading Spinning Disney's World by Charlie Ridgway. As we prepare to celebrate the 40th anniversary of Walt Disney World, thought it'd be fun to see what it was like 40 years ago with someone who was there before and on opening day. And we're also going to publish a poll later on in the summer to get your input as we determine future book club selections. Also, please come by and like the WDW Radio Book Club fan page over on Facebook. I'll put links to all these in this week's show notes over at WDWRadio.com. Don't forget, I want to hear from you. Interact with me and the show by emailing me at Lou at WDWRadio.com. Calling the toll-free voicemail line from the parks or anywhere with questions or comments at 888-703-2171. On Twitter, I'm at Lou Mangiello, and you can join the WW Radio Facebook friend page at facebook.com slash Radio. Please come by the website, visit our daily blog posts, our photo galleries, and talk with other fans in a fun, friendly, safe environment on the WW Radio forums. In addition to the weekly podcast, don't forget about the WDW Newscast every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern and on YouTube. You can join us every week for a live interactive news show covering Walt Disney World. You can be part of the live video broadcast and the discussion and talk about the news with me and other Disney fans real time in the chat room. If you can't catch the live show, that's okay. I'll post the video uh, and continue the conversation on the YouTube channel on the WDW Radio blog, and I'll also post the audio only in the iTunes feed. Speaking of videos, it's been way too long, but I have many new videos I'm getting ready to post, so be sure and stay tuned to the site and to the feed. And if you are a new listener, welcome to the show. Please go back to the archives, either on the website or in iTunes, as many of the WW Radio shows in the archives are evergreen. They include interviews and reviews and Wayback Machines, trivia, and lots more. I think you might find things back there that you'll enjoy. Don't forget to visit the WW Radio shop for signed copies of my Walt Disney World trivia books and the audio guides to Walt Disney World. You can buy all five on CD as a special offer, and there's also some discounts on the downloads there as well. And if you want to get some Disney magic delivered to you right at home, be sure and come by and subscribe to or order back issues of Celebrations Magazine. Issue 17 is hitting mailboxes right now. We're already hard at work on the next issue. 
If you are thinking about subscribing and want to be sure you get issue 18, our next issue is part of your subscription, be sure and subscribe over at celebrationspress.com before June 10th. Quick reminder, and thanks to everybody who came to this last week's Meet of the Month. Really had a good time over at Hollywood Studios. June 11th is our next meet in Japan for Japan. We're going to be doing some fundraising there. Visit DisneyMeet.com for more information about that event, the Pacific Northwest Mouse Meet, the D23 Expo in August. We will be there. We're going to be broadcasting live once again. Have a lot of fun things planned for that. Lots going on later in the year as well, including the 40-hour live show in the weekend of October 1st in Walt Disney World. Again, visit DisneyMeets.com. Quick thanks to my partners and sponsors, including MEI and Mouse Fan Travel, that are my official and recommended travel provider. You can visit them over at MouseFanTravel.com. AllStarVacationHomes.com has more than 150 homes with private pools and spas and game rooms and master bedrooms within just a couple of miles of Walt Disney World. For a great meal and some wonderful entertainment in downtown Disney, you can visit Bongo's Cuban Cafe. They're located right in downtown Disney and have indoor and outdoor seating, live entertainment on weekends, and of course, some wonderful food. You can also check out their menu at bongoscubancafe.com. If you're looking to stay within the heart of Walt Disney World, I love the Swan and Dolphin. In addition to the 17 world-class restaurants and lounges, I just ate at Blue Zoo yet again this past week, and the world-class Heavenly Beds and the Mandara Spa, lots of other Disney benefits, check them out over at swananddolphin.com. As always, my friends, and you are my friends, whether we have met or not, if you like the show, all I ask is that you please help spread the word, let others know about it, tweet out that you're listening, share a link on Facebook, please come by, review the show, the free WW Radio iPhone app or the brand new Walt Disney World Trivia iPhone app over in iTunes. And I want to thank you once again for taking the time each and every week to tune in and listen to the show. So until next time, I hope you find the inspiration and the motivation to begin to pursue your passion and follow your dreams. And when you do, always keep moving forward. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Have a great week. See ya. Hi, Lou. Kenny from West Palm Beach. Uh, met you at the Destination D at the Contemporary Resort. Had a great time. Uh, next time we meet, we should have a little bit more time to talk. Uh, the event was awesome. Tremendously awesome. Can't think of a better word to describe it. And it ended with the musical representative uh, extravaganza, uh, including Dreamfinder and the choir and the marching band and Everything that w- that was the capper of the best event I've ever been to at Disney World. Um, being a fan and enjoying all the music that the choir sang from the Epcot area was amazing. It, it, the whole event was capped off with that, and it was it was just tremendous. I'm so glad I went to it. Um, sorry if you missed it, guys. Uh, love your work, Lou. Keep it up, and keep reaching for the stars. Hi, Lou. It's Darlene Miyagi from West Seneca, New York. Just wanted to call in and say hi, and thanks for all the shows that you've done since the cruise. Um, I wish I was going on number two, but I don't think we'll be able to make it this time because my dear daughter will not allow me to go without her again. Um, So hopefully the next one after that. Um, Loved the Just Her Tea show um, that you did, the two-parter. Um, uh, uh, choked up still from listening to him talking about getting those personal boxes from 
um, the archives and stuff for the museum. Um, my husband and I are going to try to plan a trip to California sometime soon, um, and that is definitely one of our stops, um, you know, Disneyland and up the coast to uh, San Francisco to see the museum. Um, and I got a surprise. I am going to Walt Disney World and staying at Animal Kingdom Lodge in almost two months. Uh, my wonderful friend who has DVC had extra points and uh, asked me to go along with her. So just a girl's trip. Um, so I'm so thrilled. I'll be calling in from the park and from the resort. Looking forward to chatting with you. Have a great weekend, everybody. It's Friday. Bye. This is a dream of mine to just to go on your radio and be on WDW Radio and let my work be on the show. So thank you. Have a nice day. W-D-W Radio. What's your name? Regan. You've got a friend in me. Yeah.